Lord, in that name, God, we just lift up everything that may be going on in our lives. God, whether it's strongholds, God, whether it's de depression, God, whether it's God, it's just a circumstance that's beyond our control. God, we know that you're the God of hope. You're the God of peace. And God, you're the God of God, just courage and strength. And Lord, we just pray that over us this morning. And guys, we hear a word this morning, God, about heaven. God, that we would look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And God, that you would complete the work and that you that you begun in us. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And we praise things in his name. Amen. Amen. Would you give the band a hand for a wonderful job? That was great, guys. Well, good morning. Good morning. That was terrible. Good morning. All right, that's a lot better. Well, it's great to see you all. Uh, I have had COVID. That's why I'm sitting this morning, but I am doing well, and I'm seven days past any symptoms. People have been treating me like a leper this morning, but I think I'm good. I, can, I can't give it or get it right now, so I'm in a great, great spot. But I'm sitting for that reason a little, a little tired, and you guys would love to see me fall off the stage. I'm sure they'll make a great YouTube video, and I'd laugh several years from now, but this morning I would rather not. So that's why I'm seated. Can I ask you to stand for a moment? You know, in the, in, uh, in the Old Testament at times when the prophet read the Scriptures, the people stood for hours. Wouldn't that be great? We're not going to do that. I just, uh, you know, humor me with this. It'll make sense in more in a moment. Say amen. amen. Say preach it. Preach it. Say amen. amen. All right. You may be seated. We got a great topic this morning, an average to poor sermon, but a great topic that you need to say amen to occasionally. We started a sermon series a few weeks ago titled Big. I found the biggest cheeseburger in the world. You are hungry, aren't you? Mally's Sports Bar and Grill in Detroit. Guys, if you get some weird idea about taking your date there, it costs you $8,000, and that's not even French fries and a drink. $8,000. The burger weighs 1,794 pounds. I want you to see another picture of it. You know, I like onions, but that gives me heartburn just looking at that picture. I mean, that is, uh, that is pretty powerful. That's a, would you all agree that's a big burger? Well, we're in John 14 this morning, and we're going to look at a gigantically big subject. We're going to look at the subject of heaven. And since you're going to die someday, and so am I, where we spend eternity is a subject we need to understand and to be right on. But the context of this, before we dive into really kind of unpacking heaven, here's the first thing Jesus tells them and you and me. In the midst of life's troubles, trust God. I won't read all this to you, but the context of John 14 is the Last Supper. And it, it runs several chapters in the book of John. And Jesus has just told them one of the, the, the 12 are in there. One of you is going to betray me. You're going to be a Judas. Guess who it was? <laughs> then he tells Peter, 
Peter's kind of cocky. Hey, man, I'll, fight, I'll stand up. And he says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Jesus has also just told them, I'm fixing to die. I know he's told them I'm coming back to life. They don't hear that. There he's going to die. And then he says, and then I'm leaving you, and I'm going to be gone permanently, which is, wow, that's crushing. And he t- also tells them in the course of this time that you're going to be persecuted and you're going to die for the faith, many of you. So like, this is not like the power of positive thinking speech. And they're beat up. And you're beat up this morning. Or you're, you're struggling to some degree. I mean, every study we see says anxiety now is higher, much higher than it was this time last year. Depression is much higher. Suicide rates and attempts are much higher. We're Concerned about COVID, about our families getting it or us getting it and, and, and what can happen and there's unrest in our country. And verse 1, here's what Jesus said to them and to you and me. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Your heart here is not your biological heart. It is your mind and your will, your, your inner being. The word troubled is an interesting word. It means to be stirred or to be agitated. It, it's literally the picture of the waves of the ocean or of a lake when there's storming and, and it's unrest and it's, it's uncomfortable, especially if you're out on it, makes you nervous. He was telling them right now this morning, he was telling them, he's telling you and me, your hearts are troubled. Don't let them be troubled. Don't let them be stirred. Don't let them be agitated. Okay, Jesus, give a solution. And he gives a solution. You believe in God, believe also in me. The word believe there is a great word. It does mean to trust. It's a continuous action word. It means believe in me and keep believing in me. Lean in me and keep leaning in me. You're troubled, you're anxious, you're nervous. Trust me. Lean into me. Lean into me today. Lean into me tomorrow. Keep leaning into me and keep trusting in me. And there's two concepts in this. One is we can do this because God can take care of us here on earth. You got that? God can take care of us here on earth. These disciples are fixing to be physically abandoned by Jesus. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to come and be with them. But, man, they are so nervous and upset. And, and, and Jesus wanted them to know, I'll, I can take care of you. If you're taking notes, I hope you do. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. There's nothing in your life that God can't take care of, and there's nothing in your life that he's not interested in. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. But here's the heartbeat of the passage this morning. God can take care of you when you're facing death. God can take care of you at death. That was certainly on their mind. Jesus was talking about dying, and and that's the heart of the passage. In verse 2, Jesus talked about heaven. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go and prepare a place for you. Jesus, this, this last supper was full of talk about dying and death and they understood death, and, and most of you do too. Do you know they say in our world, two people die per second? Two people die per second? So like if this sermon goes on an hour and a half, that's a lot of people dying, isn't it? Including some of you, at least emotionally. Two people a second. And, and death, and, and, and listen, the truth is, is that even if you're not afraid of dying yourself, there's still that unknown out there about it, how it's going to happen. 
And a lot of us, maybe, you're not afraid of dying, but you don't, man, the fear of somebody you love dying is just excruciating. Part of, part of my job as a minister, part of what I do is I do funerals, I go to funerals. And so through the years, I've been to a lot, and I've seen some, some interesting and, and some bizarre things happen. About 30 years ago, funeral was over, and I was, I'd done the funeral. I was standing over here by the funeral home director, and the casket was here, and the people were passing by the casket. And when everybody had left, they, they had the family come by. And one of the family members, who was an adult, uh, my size or bigger, crawled up in the casket, just weeping and and crying and screaming, and the funeral home director and family had to gently pull them out. And because, man, there's that, there's that fear, that unknown, that separation that's so real. And Jesus says, wait a second. The, the separation's real. And, and, and it's going to happen for all. Well, I'm young. Man, oh, it's so horrible, but young people die every day. But here's what he says. He says, listen, I want you to know there is hope for death because of the place called heaven. So let's answer this question before we dive in the meat and the bones about heaven. How do you get to heaven? How do you get to heaven? A six-year-old Sunday school class years ago, the teacher had been prepping them for several weeks on how you become a Christian, how you get to heaven. So he gave them a test the following Sunday. He goes, how do you get to heaven? He goes, if I give everything I have away to the poor, to feed the hungry, will that get me to heaven? And the kid said, no, no, no. If I'm really nice to my wife, if I'm really nice to my family, if I'm really nice to my friends, will that get me to heaven? And the kids hollered, no, no, no. And he said, if I bring candy in here every Sunday and give you kids candy, will that get me to heaven? There was a long pause. And they said, no, no, no. And he goes, how do you get to heaven? The little boy raised his hand, and the teacher so excited because he done such a good job teaching him. And the little boy, he said, son, how do you get to heaven? And the little boy goes, you got to die. Well, death gets you into eternity. It does not guarantee you a spot in heaven. A quick review from two weeks ago, verse 4 through 6. He's talking about heaven. And Jesus said, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going or how we can know the way. And Jesus said these powerful words, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus said is, I'm the way to heaven. By faith in me is how you get to heaven. Faith, if you're taking notes, the biblical word faith is a, is a rich word. To have faith in Christ means repentance. When I place my faith in Christ, it's going to get me into heaven. I'm saying to Jesus that I'm a sinner and I want to turn from my sins. And always remember, repentance is not about perfection, but it is about a new direction. Faith is about mental belief. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and arose, that's, that is a part of being saved. So faith involves mental acceptance of Christ and what he did. But that last part of faith is a surrender of your life. When, when you place your faith in Christ that saves you, you are trusting Jesus and you are surrendering to him. It's simple, but it's hard because it, it demands you giving him the keys to your life. Jesus is how you get to heaven by faith in Christ. So what's heaven like? Let me just pause. How many of you would like to go there, you think? The alternative is smoking forever, by the way. What is it like? People for thousands of years have talked about the afterlife. Ancient Mexican people, Peruvians, Polynesians believe that when you die, you went to the, the sun or the moon after death. 
Many Native American tribes believed that when you died, your spirit went to the happy hunting ground and that you hunted the spirits of buffalo for eternity. The Romans, who Jesus would have been very familiar with this in his day, believed that righteous people, and that would probably to them meant good people, would picnic in the Elysian fields while their horses graze nearby for eternity. That all sounds nice, but that's not what heaven's really like. I'm going to scratch the surface in John 14 about heaven. I'm saying scratching the surface because there's so much about heaven that we don't even know that it's so wonderful. But let me tell you a few things. Here's the first thing. Jesus says heaven is the Father's house. It's the Father's house. Look in verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. When Jesus talked about heaven, he said, it's my house and it's my father's house. And he says to you and me, heaven is our spiritual father. It's our daddy's house. Now, I know some folks, he didn't have a good father. And so when you hear about God being a heavenly father, you don't have good feelings and connotations. And, and I, I was blessed with a good father, so you gotta, you got to push aside all the negativity maybe you have about a father and think what would a wonderful father be like? It would be someone who loved you unconditionally, who protected you, wanted nothing but the best for you and took care of you. Heaven is called our father's house because that's what it is. When you die and leave this earth and go to heaven, you're going to be with your father, your wonderful father. Revelation 22, 4 it's a great verse. It says, in heaven we will see God's face and his name will be on our foreheads. Listen, can you imagine when you die and you walk into heaven and you see Jesus face to face for the first time and you see the face of God the Father? Can you imagine what that will be like? Sandy Patty sang a song many years ago, we shall behold him. That someday we will see him face to face in all of his glory. Man, embrace that. When you die, you belong to Christ. If you don't, you can belong to him today if you'll surrender your life. You're going to go to your father's house, and it's going to be your house, and you're going to be face to face with God for eternity. Man, that's just unbelievable. Here's the second thing. There's plenty of room for you in heaven. Now, folks, pause with me. That's good news, isn't it? There, there is a religious group that teaches only 144,000 people get to heaven. Did you know that? Let me tell you some really bad news. You ain't going if that's true. It's already full. You are not, I don't know where you're going, but you're not going to heaven. Listen to what Jesus told them. In my Father's house are many rooms. In other words, there's room enough for you. If you're taking notes, the word room, that some, some translations of the Bible translate that mansions. That's where we got some of our beautiful old hymns about a mansion over the hilltop and things like that. The word there, rooms, literally means an abiding place, a resident. It's a family's resting place. The word was used in Jesus' day to talk about a place where travelers on a road could find refreshment and they could find rest. Man. Here's what heaven is. It's your father's house. It's a place you're going to be face-to-face with God. You're not a Christian today. You know what? There's room enough for you in heaven. You are a Christian. I'll tell you more in a moment. But there is plenty of room for you, I promise you. Here's the third thing that he tells us. It's a prepared place. 
It's a prepared place. Heaven's not a place that's just sloppily thrown together. In verse 2 again, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you. The word prepare was used in Jesus' day, oftentimes with the Roman military for a reconnaissance unit. Two types of reconnaissance units. One that might go ahead and might kill the enemy and, and make it safe. And another one that would come in and, and clear the roads and clear areas where they could come in and, and camp and set up a temporary fort. In other words, to, to prepare meant they went to set the table so you could come down and sit. Jesus was a carpenter here on earth. His daddy was a carpenter. And what a cool concept that Jesus told them, look, there's room enough in heaven for you it's your father's house. And by the way, I have got, I have got a place prepared for you. Is it a mansion over the hilltop? I don't know. I don't care if it's a mobile home. I still think that'd make a great country and western song. I don't care if it's a mansion or a mobile home. I just want to go there. But I know this, that if you belong to Christ or you'll belong to him today, He's preparing a place for you. Isn't that cool? Josh, I wonder what your place looks like, but it's it got a lot of wood and, and a grill outside. He's preparing a place for you. You ever thought about that? There's a place with your name in heaven waiting on you. Hope it's a long time for you to go there. But he's preparing a place for you. Here's the fourth thing this passage teaches. If you belong to him, he's going to take you to heaven when it's time. You're, you're not going to, your spirit's not going to wander the earth. You're not going to be stuck in a dorm room or in a classroom or in the church house. He's coming for you in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to take you to myself. Some of you this morning are like, oh, well, you know, whatever. I'm going to tell you 2,000 years ago when he told them that, they perked up. And you should too. It means, it means one of two things here, or it means both things here. It was the second coming of Jesus Christ he may have been talking to. The Bible says Jesus came, and we believe this as a baby, the first coming, but that someday he will come again physically, bodily, visibly, the second coming of Christ, and he's going to take all of his children home then. But all these guys in this Bible story died 2,000 years ago, and you and I may die before the second coming. You know what Jesus tells us here? When your time comes, you won't be left in limbo if you belong to him. You're not left to chance. He's coming for you. To take you home. Dr. Andy Johnson was one of the most wonderful men I've ever known. He was a, a minister here on our staff for years. A dear friend. A humble, sweet man. He died in late October, 90 years old. Cindy and I had seen Andy on Monday and he couldn't talk then. He died late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. And one of his daughters told us this story. Wednesday... She kept noticing him looking to the ceiling and doing like this. Well, what do you do when you someone, see someone looking to the ceiling? You start looking to the ceiling too. She said, I didn't see anything up there, but he kept doing it. And he was not drugged up. And there's nothing wrong with, nothing wrong with having drugs for pain or whatever, but he was not. He, and he was not a showy person at all, very humble. Finally, she said, Daddy, do you see the angels? Are the angels coming to get you? And he smiled a big smile and shook his head, yes. 
what an what a unbelievable thing to know that when your time comes and my time comes, Jesus is coming for us to take us home. Here's the fifth thing. And, man, this is the, the syrup on the ice cream, and I can't taste either one of them right now. <laughs> it's perfect beyond imagination. When we think about heaven, and this is what I think a lot of us think about and we long for, is it's absolutely perfect beyond imagination. Folks, this world is never going to be perfect. <coughs> Some of the frustrations we have as you hear, we, we want to end poverty. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 11, you're going to always have poor people with you. You're, you always are. Does that mean is, that we shouldn't be concerned about that? Absolutely not. As a church, as Christians, we ought to try to help eradicate poverty. People want perfect justice. And as a Christians and as a church, we ought to do everything that we can to make sure justice, which is fairness, is available for everybody. But this side of heaven, none of that's going to happen perfectly. A democracy, a socialism, none of those things are going to bring those perfectly because we are, we are messed up and we are sinners. You know where that happens? That's in heaven. I want to share with you a couple of verses that, that really speak of the, the perfection and the unbelievable nature of heaven. 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, but as it is written, no eye has seen, now get a hold of this, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Hold that there just one second, Danny. God is writing this to the Apostle Paul, who may have had the equivalent of two doctor's degrees, PhDs. Brilliant. And Paul said, nobody has seen, nobody has heard. You can't even imagine what's waiting for you in heaven. That's pretty awesome. And in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2 through 4, this is God speaking through Paul again. I was caught up in the third heaven. Now, they looked at heaven as three, three levels, the, the clouds, the stars, and then God lived beyond that. Whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in the body or outside, but I do not know. And then verse 4, I was caught up to paradise, which is synonymous with heaven, and I heard things so astounding they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. Here's Paul. If you've read much of his writings in the New Testament, he's fairly articulate. I can't, he said, I'm not allowed to, but even if I was allowed to, I cannot express what I saw and I heard. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. And in verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death shall be no more, no more mourning or crying or pain anymore. The former things are passed away. Unbelievable. Death's gone. Pain's gone. Crying's gone. Mourning's gone. Sadness is gone. Hurt's gone. Several years ago in, in Men's Health magazine, I read an, a guy was talking about if he wanted to live forever. Here's what this guy said. Well, I want to live forever if I'm near Starbucks. If I look good. If I'll be in good shape, if I'm in a good neighborhood, and I'm thinking, what a, what a low bar you're swinging for, buddy. First of all, we want either the depot or PJ's coffee in heaven. Amen? <laughs> I want to tell you something. You're going to look good in heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. 
You're going to feel good in heaven. You're going to smell good and be able to smell in heaven. (laughs) Every day is going to be the best day of your life in heaven. And I don't know if this is in the Bible, but calories won't count in heaven. (laughs) It is is absolutely perfect. (laughs) A sister after my own heart. Here's some questions I'm asking. Are we going to know each other in heaven? I love what Dr. Herschel Hobbs, a brilliant New Testament scholar, said. He said, if we know each other here, we're going to be smarter there than we are here. Of course we're going to know each other. What a cool thing. You're going to be walking down the street, and Janelle, you're going to, say, you're going to see Moses. You're going to say, hey, Moses. He's going to say, hey, Janelle. And he's going to look at you and go, did Josh make it up here? <laughs> And you're going to see King David. Some of you men, you want to look. What, Bathsheba must have been pretty. What'd she look? Where's Bathsheba? And you're going to, I mean, it's going to be, we're going to, yes, we're going to know each other. And we're going to know each other in heaven. Our animals are going to be in heaven. I'm asked that a lot. Bible, I think, is clear on that. In Isaiah, it talks about the lion and the lamb playing together and the child leading them, the child playing at the adder's nest, which is a poisonous snake. The Garden of Eden is probably the closest thing to heaven Uh, that we know of from the Bible. And in fact, the Garden of Eden and Paradise are kind of used synonymous to those words, Hebrew and the Greek. And that's, Garden of Eden was full of animals. Are we going to know our pets in heaven? Are we going to have our pets? I think so. And here's a great book for you to get. The title of it's real hard to remember, Heaven, by Randy Alcorn. Now, it's big. I mean, it's like this big. Like by the time you finish reading it, you will be in heaven. Okay, like last chapter, you're on the way up. <laughs> but it's a great book. And Randy Alcorn makes such a, for a lot of things, makes great cases. But he says, if God gave us our pets to love and enjoy here, why would he keep something from us in heaven that we were so dear to us here? And it just makes sense to me that heaven's going to be so perfect beyond our imagination. Joni Erickson Tata, a lot of you know who this lady is, now, listen to, to some of these things. When 1967, when she was 17, she was paralyzed from the neck down in a diving accident. She was being interviewed a few years ago. I mean, it's a, oh, well, 54, 55 years ago now, 55, 6. And she was asked about, what is she looking forward to heaven? And everybody always wants to know, you're going to be able to walk again, a full body. She goes, yes, I am looking forward to having a new body. That, that'll be one of the, she said, fringe benefits. But she said, more than anything else, I look forward to having a new heart, a heart free of manipulating others with that perfectly precise, timed phrase, a heart free of fudging the truth, a heart free from hogging the spotlight or believing my own press, a heart free of not believing the best of others, a heart free of caving into fear or anxiety about the future. I can't wait to have a heart free of sin. Wow. She's got more spiritual depth than, than I'll ever have. I always say one of the great things about heaven is we're going to all like each other. Isn't that going to be weird? (laughs) I ain't sitting by them in church. God's going to stick your mansion by their mansion (laughs) for the first 10,000 years with see-through walls. (laughs) Here's the last thing. Heaven is a permanent place. If everything else wasn't, you know, if you're just going to go there and this is going to be like this for 20 years, that'd be worth, worth it, wouldn't it? 
But it's permanent. In verse 2, in my father's house are many rooms. If you're taking notes, the word room there was permanent dwelling. Permanent dwelling. In Matthew 25, verse 46, it's a strong verse. Jesus is speaking, and they will go away, the unrighteous, to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. If you're taking notes, this is something I'd write down. The word eternal there is emphatic. In other words, it's non-negotiable. It means non-ending or without end. Here's what Jesus says in a harsh, scary way. If you die without Christ, you will spend eternity separated from God in hell. And there's no way out of it. It's called eternal death. It's dying but not dying. It's fixed. But if you go to heaven because of your relationship with Jesus, you enter eternal life. The word life there is that biblical word that means abundant life and full life. It means that you start a life that will never end. Folks, nothing here is permanent. That's why these things are so hard to grasp. It is permanent. It will never end. There will never, there will, it will never be a point where it will not exist. Man, we long for that. I thought this week about the things in life that mean so much to me. I love Christmas. Christmas in my family was always wonderful. And even when my, my parents were still alive and all my family, and we would get together, I'd, I'd go out sometimes on Christmas night about 11.55 and I'd want to cry because I knew it wasn't going to be back for 365 days. <laughs> our Thanksgiving with our family. I don't know what it is for you. A family reunion, a homecoming, a snow day. Wasn't that wonderful? See, at the church, we shut down when the schools do, so my staff pray so hard for snow. I remember that was the day I had got diagnosed with COVID, but I remember going out that Monday morning, and I just, because I knew I live in Louisiana, this is going to be gone by four. But it's like, man, I just want to hold on to it because it's fun, it's precious, it's unique. You think about the greatest days of your life, the greatest times of your life, that's heaven every day. Oh, Chris, you're just blowing it up. I'm not even scratching the surface on it. That's the greatest news ever. You're going to be face-to-face -face with God. And every day is Christmas or Thanksgiving or a snow day or the best day. And when you wake up the next day, if we, we don't sleep in heaven, I don't think, but even if you do, you, it's the same thing. It's not like you're going to get tired of it. It's going to be the best day every day, every day, every day for eternity. Non-ending. I want you to to do something with me, if you would. Just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to imagine, not trying to be morbid, but that, that your life is coming to an end and you're, you're stepping on another shore and you realize it's heaven. And you reach out your hand and the hand that takes your hand is Jesus. You're breathing new air and you, you realize it's, it's heavenly air. And you feel invigorated like you've never felt in your life and you realize it's immortality. The anxieties of the storms of this life are passing and you realize you're entering into an unbroken calm. You realize you're waking up now in your home.